water. Water everywhere. Plenty of it to drink, you've got half a mind to. Lake after lake. I couldn't count them all in a lifetime, but if they say there are 10,000, I have no reason to doubt it. The days are hot here. Almost as hot as the nights are cold. Hotter than they ought to be this far north. I think I'd fancy a swim. Next lake I see, I'll park old stars by the bank and do just that. What do you think, Smokey Jr.? Maybe wash the last bit of this ash off us? Still got a fair share of it tucked in my ears and collected in my hair. The road's already cleared most of it off old stars, but there was quite a bit to start. That man's breath did us all a number. Scenic Byways, Episode 2, Land of 10,000 Lakes. It's been a while since town. Should be getting to the logging camp soon. Hopefully before dark settles in. Dusk has already swept across the tree line. I've been trying as best I can not to drive at night. Don't know what I'll run into if I can't see it. And there's more than potholes to worry about up north. These new roads weren't built for 18-wheelers. Hmm. Don't much like the sound of that. Must be getting closer. Maybe they're still out felling trees. Maybe not. Fallen trees shouldn't shake the ground like that. Can't be an earthquake, can it? Not sure if they get them in Minnesota. You'd know, wouldn't you? You were always spouting off stuff like that. Not that I minded. Son of a... Now, that's what a fallen tree sounds like. Well, there goes my way back. A common occurrence, trees falling behind me. Wonder what it means they never seem to fall in front. Some cosmic power ushering me forward, I suppose. Only this time, the way back is the way forward. At least it will be when I'm loaded up with lumber. Well, I hope they know another road to town from the logging camp. Otherwise, it will be a while clearing the road out. Z, 
Seems like whatever it was making the earth shake like that has diverted at least. A small comfort there. And this must be the camp ahead. Right in time. No sign marked the camp, but it was close enough to the road to see. A fair few houses clapped together with fresh lumber and shingles, surrounded by massive log piles on all sides but my entrance. The log piles formed a haphazard fence of sorts, no telling if it was accidental or grown from the intention to keep something out or in. The logs were white pine, the same ones I'd come to collect. White gold, more like. They'd been near harvested out before the collapse, but to hear it told, they'd been growing up like weeds since, almost faster than they can chop them down. And they're worth a pretty penny to the cities and towns rebuilding, fighting the tide of nature, hence the new white gold rush. Camps like this one can be found from here all the way to the shores of Lake Superior. Maybe not quite like this one, though. Hello there. You picked a great time to show. We're just about to settle into supper. Great timing's what I'm known for. I came for the logs, though there seem to be a lot more here than will fit on my trailer. That there are. We're in a bit of a standoff, trying to beat the boys over the way. Don't you mind that, though. We'll load your rig up with as much as we can. Can't exactly deliver it, things the way they stand. There was a tremor of sorts a ways back felled a few trees over the road behind. Can't say it doesn't happen. I'll send some of the women up to clear it in the morning, after we load up the truck. Come on, join us for supper. And if you're tired of your rig, you're welcome to spend the night here. We've got an empty house you could bunk in. I appreciate the offer. Might even take you up on it. She walked over to the mess hall, but I lingered a moment. The sun had set on the camp, but the light hadn't waned completely. I walked up to one of the log pyramids, higher than old stars even. Beautiful wood, though a bit eerie. One thing to hear the trees grew like weeds, another to see the timber and count the tree rings, or lack thereof. They were young all right, hopefully sturdy. I left the logs and joined the lumberjills in their makeshift mess hall. Over here! Close to 30 women lined the dining tables in the hall, noisily chowing down. I made my way to the one who greeted me, sat down across from her. Two women busy eating to my sides. 
An empty bowl and cup were set in front of me. They were filled in quick order, a thick, hearty soup and a dark wine. Had a bit of a shock when I dug in, though. No meat in the soup. Nothing that needed cooking, as a matter of fact. Both the soup and the wine were freezing cold. Difficult to eat, despite my gnawing hunger. They were generous in sharing, but I could have done with some hot food, in all honesty. The cold had already begun settling in, shivering my bones. I've driven all over these broken roads, yet I still chill easy. A lifetime of the northern cold couldn't change my warm blood, it had seemed. But I'm not one to turn my nose up at generosity. <clears throat> A fine meal. Thank you for the hospitality. A shame I can't transport all your timber. Is this everyone that cut those trees down? Yep, we're it. We either chose this life or it chose us, but we're all lumberjills the same. I'm from the city. I'm from down south, if you couldn't tell. This isn't everyone. I'm gonna wait for her by the woodside. Fine, just don't stay out too late past dark. You were lucky last time. It wasn't luck. I know these woods. Start thinking like that, you sure to wander off and get lost. And then the only thing you'll really know is just how cold it is at the bottom of whichever lake you fall into. And if that happens, well, you know the rule. No, no fires. fires. Not even for cooking, it seemed. Smart rule, that. Poor girl. I misspoke earlier. We were one more before. But her sister, she, uh... She left us a couple of weeks back. She shouldn't have gone with him. Enough of that. What's done is done. You must be tired from the road. Let me show you the spare house. I was tired, especially after that meal. Never ceases to bewilder how much sitting and holding the wheel can take out of you. Or from you. All that effort to point your truck in one direction when every atom and molecule in you is vibrating the opposite way, trying to shake you loose, bring you back to where you left. I spend a lot of energy fighting that feeling, the itch to return. Of course, now, there's nowhere to return to, is there? And no way to, even if there were. Too much overgrowth and fallen trees blocking the path. That cosmic power ushering me forward. Here you are. Bedding and things are inside. Make yourself comfortable. I'll see you in the morning. And don't forget... No fires. Got it. She left me at the door, walked back into the dark of the camp. As soon as she did, I collapsed onto the bed. Quite literally fell to sleep, if you like. Can't say how much time passed before the sound woke me. Or was it the quakes that woke me first? 
guess I can't say that either. I bolted out the door, and to the cry, the stars barely lightened the white pine log piles behind the cabin. I heard it again, faint, from just beyond that barrier. I pressed myself up against the logs, found the smallest gap to peer through, and saw her, soaking wet, skin white as the pine logs separating us, lips blue as the clear lake she must have fallen into. The other one was right. She might have known the woods, sure, but now she knew just how cold the lakes could be. Plenty of blankets in the cabin. Filled one arm with as many as I could when I ran back in. Saved the other to carry the lantern and flint I found disused in the corner, though. Rules be damned, I wasn't about to let that poor woman die. I rushed toward the entrance, trying to light the lantern as I went when... Oof! Another quake took me to my knees. The lantern dropped out of my hands and to the ground, spun and toppled over, spilling a fair bit of that oil before I righted it. Good thing it wasn't lit. I scrambled out the entrance and around the perimeter, found her freezing on the cold ground, her shivers already subsiding, Skin waxy as the sliver of moon in the sky. Hypothermia was setting in fast. I got her wrapped in the blankets as quick as I could, lit the lantern and set it beside her, then scrambled to find some rocks. Fast as I was moving, it only took a minute to find enough to make a small circle. Cleared the brush around it and broke their rule. It was small, but it was warmth. A fire. Mistake wasn't there, though. That fire never left that ring of rocks. Mistake was right behind me. That's it, miss. Come back to us now. Take it slowly. Oh, shh. Should have listened. Not always the best at that, listening. She was coming back the hypothermia wrap and small fire working their cure when that quake shook us. Shook the lantern, too, still lit behind me, forgotten. Broke the glass, sent the flame in it, shooting through the brush and pine needles, taken to the whole forest around us. Cold was the last thing on my mind then. I scooped her up as quick as I could and ran back to the camp, fire licking the trees, consuming them, growing around us. Someone had the presence of mind to sweep the perimeter of pine needles, and the fire skirted it for now. I carried her through the entrance and back into the camp. Plenty of light to see by. Let's go, ladies. Go, go, go! You, what happened? Wait, is that... The forewoman called off a few of the lumber jills to gather the shivering one from out of my arms. The rest ran around, loaded themselves and some equipment up onto the flatbed trailer behind my semi-truck as quick as they could. I understood the lumber Jill's intentions immediately, didn't argue with them at all. 
Even if the fire weren't my fault, I knew Old Stars was the best chance any of us had of escaping the spreading flames. They had already burnt their way out to the forest around us, but not yet past the white pine log stacks fencing the camp in. We didn't have too long, though. I asked the forewoman if that was all of the lumberjills, and she nodded yes. No one there to dispute her, like in the mess hall, and no time to waste on searching for stragglers. The women were all loaded up on the back, holding on as tight as they could. The shivering one was with another in my sleeper cab, bundled up in new blankets for warmth. The forewoman climbed up with me, and we drove out, burst through the entrance and the flames not too far outside it, and down the mostly clear road I had come from. No time to check on the women, just had to keep moving, slow as I did to keep from shaking them off. I told the forewoman what had happened. She just watched the flames. Fire's catching up. I can't go much faster or your lumber jills will fall off the back. If we can keep this speed... It's the felled trees I told you about. Let's go, ladies, fast as you can. Clear the road. Yes, yes ma'am. Ma flames were coming fast, too fast. The lumberjills were quick on the fallen trees. Watching them, I had no doubt they felled and stacked the white pine logs in their camp with the same speed. They weren't moving quick enough now, though. The fire was just about on top of us, the women still working on clearing the road when that last quake came. The forewoman started yelling up at the sky, angry as all hell. I climbed down from the cab of Old Stars, blasted by a wave of heat. That's when I saw him. Well, I saw the cow first. <coughs> then him, twice as tall as the trees around us. I recognized them both at first glance, the rage and fire illuminating them well enough in the night. That and I'd seen the both of them all over Minnesota. First in Akeley, then Bemidji. Always in fiberglass, albeit. Seeing them in the flesh was a first for me. But there they were, alive and all. Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. The first lumberjack. Him in his red flannel and jeans, a large axe in his hand. It looked sad, maybe remorseful even. Large drops of sweat crashed down from his forehead and arms, dousing the forest below. And on his shoulder, way up high, sat a figure, hard to make out in the flickering light of the forest fire. A woman, maybe. Didn't have too long to strain for clarity. 
Paul Bunyan furrowed his brow and sucked in as much air as he could, his whole body swelling up. Then he blew it out and kept blowing till he had blowed the whole forest fire out. Hadn't seen the likes of it before, doubt I will again. The Lombergills stared up in a mix of awe and anger. The forewoman shook her head. Seemed they all knew about old Paul and Babe. I looked over and saw the shivering woman, not shivering now, all bundled up. The ash from the fire settling on her damp hair. She smiled up at Paul, or up at his shoulder. Without the forest fire to light up the night, I could barely make out his shape until he knelt down amongst us. And then I saw her clearly, the woman perched by his neck. The family resemblance was uncanny, the shivering woman's sister. She hopped off, ran to her sister beside me, and grabbed her in her arms. She turned back to Paul, a sad smile on her lips. He opened his mouth to speak to her, but it was all burnt up. All that hot air he had sucked in had taken its toll. He didn't stick around long after that, headed off toward the distance, babe the blue ox beside him. Show's over, ladies. Let's go. Think you could give us a lift back to camp? Or what's left of it? Sure can. I drove them back to the camp, the ash falling all around old stars, blocking the headlights as we went. I went real slow. Don't know what I'll run into if I can't see it. When we got back, the sky was blue near dawn. Damage wasn't as bad as I'd have thought. The white pine log stacks had taken the brunt of the flames. The camp itself was largely spared and that what wasn't could be rebuilt. But their timber was useless now, all save one stack near the back. It was soaked through in a salty wetness. I had my theory what from. It would dry though, and just as well it was enough to fit on the flatbed trailer. The lumber gills loaded it up in silence. It wasn't all somber though. They might not beat them, but I had a suspicion they didn't need to worry about Paul Bunyan helping the boys across the way for a while. Enough time at least to replenish their log stacks to where they had been before. The white pine does grow like weeds. And I'd seen firsthand how well the lumber gills worked together to chop it up. Before I left, the forewoman gave me one of their chainsaws. Told me if I wanted to keep driving these roads, I'd best learn to use it the next time a tree blocked my way. She had a point, and it was a decent gift as well. She said it wasn't a gift though, but payment for never coming back. I had broken the rule, and she hadn't forgotten. No fires.
you're leaving? Thanks for saving my sister. We were a bit late in coming last night. I guess she went looking. She shouldn't have, though. There are a lot of lakes here. So I've heard. You take care, then. So, you aren't curious about how me and, uh... Paul Bunyan? No. There ain't a whole lot of happiness left. I can't judge you for finding some. Long as nobody gets hurt, that is. <laughs> Paul's mouth will heal. The rest of us will be fine. You need to ride somewhere? No. He'll come for me when he's able to. Until then, I'll help rebuild here. And try to make my sister understand. You best do that. Don't want her wandering into any more lakes. fella, you doing all right? A small black bear cub clung to a tree branch not too far from the camp. The bottom of the tree scorched by the night's fire. He was scared, alone. Kept licking his paws and I could see they'd been burnt. Couldn't just leave him there, now could I? He'll grow up to be something fierce, but right now he's barely bigger than my arms. And it was my fault he'd been burnt. I gathered him up and wrapped him in the same bundle they'd wrapped the shivering woman in, left behind in my sleeper. He was still for a while, but eventually he found that rock candy I'd taken from those mountains a few roads back. He's still licking it now. Don't know how long I can take him with me, but I figure I can bring him at least as far as the company mill. There are fiberglass statues in that town, too. Minnesota has some strange fascination with them. That big green one down south. All the Paul Bunyans and Babe the Blue Oxes. And the one at the mill town. Standing there, shirtless, with his jeans and ranger's hat, shovel in hand, two small cubs at his sides. Smoky Bear. Maybe he'll come to life like Paul Bunyan and take this cub off my hands, raise him upright. More likely, he'll give me quite the lecture. He'd be well within his rights to. Only you can prevent wildfires. Yes, yeah, Smokey right about that. I promise to be more careful. Can't count on Paul Bunyan to bail me out in the future. No fires. Smart rule, Dad. They don't belong here anyway. This is the land of 10,000 lakes, a place of water. Speaking of, I just passed a sign for Voyagers National Park, Lake Capitogama Visitor Center. Sounds like as good a place as any to take a daytime dip, wash the last of this ash off. What do you think, Smokey Jr.? 
should we make a stop? Scenic Byways is written, directed, and produced by me, Ben Sembler. In order of appearance, this episode features performances by Jason Culp, Christian Henley, Patrice Glass, Sammy Lappin, Liesl Jackson, and Heather J. Ryan. The theme music was composed by the incredibly talented Rosie Tucker. Smokey Bear's name and likeness, along with the phrase, Only You Can Prevent Wildfires, is used with permission of the United States Department of Agriculture Forest Service. For a full list of credits, as well as transcripts and other material, visit the website, scenicbywayspodcast.com. Sign up to the newsletter, and be sure to follow us on Twitter, at scenicbywayspod. That's scenicbywayspod. And on Instagram, at scenicbywayspodcast. Thanks for listening. Drive safe.